Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Pick and Roll podcast. Today we have a good one for you guys. Um, you know, uh, and just to recap what happened on last week's podcast, yes, Chris will no longer be doing this podcast with me. It'll be just me doing the Pick and Roll podcast, still doing these full game breakdowns. It's going to be a lot of fun. I truly love and enjoy doing this. So, you know, it's going to be enjoyable for me to give you guys this content and give you guys this breakdowns. You know, do something that I would just do in my free time anyway, because I love that. So, you know, we're going to go ahead and break down multiple games today. I'm going to give you guys a little intro of what games we're going to be talking about. Watch the UCLA versus Marquette play on the November. 20th. Got Kokek in that game, who is, you know, a very solid second rounder. Also, Igabaro, tough name, but he's a pretty solid, you know, forward that a lot of people have in their second round of mock drafts as well. UCLA, they have Adam Adam Bona. Adam Bona is a guy that's very much locked in to the 20 to even sometimes lottery picks in most people's mock drafts. Then we got Andy Morrow. Andy Morrow is a kid that's played in Spain. We watched, we did a uh, breakdown on him already once. He's going to be really fun to watch. He, everybody has different opinions on him. He used to be like a top 10 lock. That's what people used to view him as and then we have next man up is um you know some guys that played in espn top 100 type guys that are on the list but you know they didn't play in the game so they have dnps like john vide devin williams brandon williams um and then we have another guy on ucla that's going to be a second round draft pick at least some projections right now is burke buntetenkel top name uh and then we got sebastian mack who's a really interesting guard that's having a good season for them Next game up, we have Riley Kugel, who's right now in the late first. Uh, then we have Carlton Carrington, who's a flying up draft board. Some people have him top five. Some people have him 25. Everywhere in between that, um, he's flown up draft boards. And then we had, you know, Nicola Topic and Nicola Drusic, who watched the a that full game. This is the third time we've watched these guys. Nicola Topic, some people have him number two on traffic boards and i've seen him as low as like 18 so he's kind of anywhere in between there right now and nicola drusic's a late second at this moment in time and then we did get to watch uh you know another game that we're breaking down is the first time we watched g league at night ron holland that's a big time top three top five draft pick matas bazelas who's a top three top five draft pick played in his first full game is on almanza he's anywhere in between that uh late lottery to late first round depending on what mock draft site you're using there and darlin who's sometimes in the late second tyler smith who's really flying up the draft boards but no no like confirmed spot he's anywhere from like early second to late first right now barbara kassane didn't play so he's somebody that's just an extra scouting and the last game that we did watch is Colgate versus Weber State. Yeah, I know. Such a beautiful sounding teams, but Weber State has Dylan Jones, who is anywhere from, you know, 12 to, you know, early second round, depending on what mock draft you're using. So a lot of really good guys to break down today. I'm really excited for these breakdowns. So we're going to go ahead and start at the top. And we're going to go ahead and start at that UCLA Marquette game. You know, this is the second time we have broken down Kokek. He is definitely such an interesting point guard. Um, 
you know, he's six three. He's definitely somebody that can really control the flow of the basketball game. He's not anything special athletically, but he has such a unique stop and start and play through people's bodies. And he has like kind of 1990s scoring game where it's, you know, look offs and stop starts and, you know, playing with good footwork and scoring wise, but not like overwhelming in athletic gifts. Um, you know, his extremely high IQ. The man makes Marquette better. He he is one of those point guards that just makes his team better through his passing, through his intelligence, through his understanding of how to manipulate defenses. It's all really impressive. It's all really elite. He's really elite those things. He's an elite standstill three-point shooter. He's an okay defender. Nothing super special going on there defensively. Um, but I definitely feel like he is, at this moment in time, a, er, a mid-second round draft pick. His uh, shooting split so far is ridiculous. Right now, he is scoring 15 a game, 5 assists, giving you 1.7 steals off a of 54% field goal percentage and 84% free throw percentage and 45% from the three-point line, which is absolutely ridiculous. But that three-point shooting and passing and 6-3 height makes him a viable NBA draft prospect. You know what I mean? And his defense is nothing special, and he's not going to be some world-class rim attacker at the next level. But he definitely has a shot at being a backup point guard in the NBA because of that shooting and passing. Um, it's only been nine games played, so I'm sure these shooting splits won't stay consistent. But it's definitely looking like he is really efficient. And the next man we got is uh, Oso Ogibaro, 6'9". You know, this guy is just so strong. This guy is built out of granite. It's insane how strong this guy is. You know what I mean? I definitely feel like it's the same thing that I saw last time where he is a really good post player, right? Like he can definitely play in the post. He can definitely, um, you know, be a very good athlete. He's one special defender. He can guard multiple positions. He's a great power forward defender at the six, nine height. And, um, but sadly, he's just not a three point shooter at all. And he can't shoot mid range shots either. And six, nine power forwards in the NBA that don't shoot threes don't exist. They just they just don't exist. I can't think of a single one. Right? Like if you think of any team, most of their backup forwards are like six, seven, six, eight small forwards that can shoot and defend. Right. And so that's the tough thing. It's it's three point shot dependent. So I have him as a late second. You know, it's gonna be a really hard road for him to develop his three point shot enough to be a NBA prospect. So that's why you take him the late second. You take a shot at him in the 55 to 50, 60 range um, where there's not much good talent left. And you see, well, if his, if his three-point shot comes along, we got one heck of a defender because he's special. He's special defensively and he's really strong as well that allows him to move people around. So now that we're done talking about Marquette, we're going to go ahead and move on to UCLA breakdown. They played in the same game. Then the first man up is Adam Bona. Now, this is a guy that was, you know, on last year's draft boards um, in the same kind of range as he is this year. I definitely feel like he's such an elite athlete. I mean, dear goodness, he is so athletic. His ability to switch, his ability to jump and defend at the rim and be a shot blocker is really impressive. He's really strong. He's built really well. His switchability is just insane. I mean, he can guard point guards. He can guard quick guys. He can guard fast guys. He can guard strong guys. He can guard vertically athletic guys. Uh, he's special. His, his, his switchability is genuinely special. 
Um, you know, and then the interesting thing that he really grew on this year is when he was on offense, it was just a lob threat. And it was maybe he'll post every once in a while, but the post isn't that good. And that's still the same. When you see him post the UCLA, you're not you're looking at him and it's like that's not, definitely not good enough to post in the NBA. You gotta be really great at it. Um But I definitely feel like the unique thing that he's developing is I saw him in the pick and roll as the roll man, and he got the ball at the free throw line. And there wasn't anybody really near him, and he took a few dribbles and dunked it. And I'm like, whoa, okay, interesting. That's different. And then, you know what I mean? And then another time when we've seen a thousand times where center has the ball in their hands and there's some sort of action on the other side and they're going to make that pass, right? You know what I mean? Some sort of off-ball action. And he's looking to make that pass, and instead of that, he he – gets his left foot, his right foot in a driving position, and he drives past the center and dunks. I'm like, whoa, I never saw that anywhere last year at Adam Bona. These are really interesting, because he's a freak athlete. This is really interesting uses uses of his freak athleticism. And if he can give you a really efficient, you know, free six points a game just from him driving to the rim, that's definitely a new added aspect to his game, a new wrinkle. Um, You know, the sad thing about this is, 6'10", you know, I, I remember him coming out last year, and he's not fully 6'10", he's like 6'9 and 0.75. He's like 6'9 and 7 fifths. He's like just under 6'10". So he's really small for the center position. So, you know, I, I don't think he'll ever be like a great starter, but as like an elite backup, I could definitely see that. And that pick and roll handle and his ability to finish at the rim is really interesting. So I feel like he's definitely cementing himself. There's not like a high ceiling here because there's not much show of unique skill, but I definitely feel like there's a really high floor of him being a really energetic, highly effective bench center. And that's the way I view Adam Bone right now. That's why I have him in the draft grade of 22 to 26 at this moment in time. Um, next man up on the breakdown is Andy Mara, who, you know, the first time we watched him play in the U19 games, we definitely hated on Andy Mara. We definitely talked about how poor and slow he moved. Um, this is the first game we watched him play at UCLA. He's still 7-3, you know what I mean? And he still is not overly impressive athletically, but he did look a little more athletic than he did in the U19 game. Um, he's a pretty solid post player, nothing overly impressive. The dude can't switch at all. He's really slow. Now, the issue is he's such a thin basketball player that the idea of him guarding the rim isn't as good as it sounds in theory because he's 7-3 because people get just jump into his body and finish at the rim, right? Like everybody in the NBA that's good finishers that are going to be attacking a guy like Andy Morrow to go get a shot at the rim are going to attack their body and finish through the body. And once Andy Morrow gets attacked through the body by NBA grown men, he's going to get moved, right? They're going to get really easy looks because they can just jump into his thin frame and, you know, and finish. And his thin frame is so thin that it leads to the idea that he's not going to be able to put on a ton of muscle. Uh, it's a similar issue that Bobol has. Bobol's not a great, a really bad rim defender. You know what I mean? Because he can't, def- because people will just move him so easily. And, you know, NBA strength is different. And, you know, that's, that's a real issue. Um, and because he also is such a slow mover, he can't really, you know, 
be super versatile in his ability to switch and things of that nature. So defensively, he has a lot of ground to make up. But, you know, the the interesting thing about him is the passing. You know what I mean? He didn't have like a ton of assists, but some of the passes that he did make the shooters and things of that nature was impressive. Um, so I, I have him graded as like a 20 through 22 through 26 pick right now in the same range as Bona. I definitely feel like there's some upside of him being a playmaking center, but it's just really raw. And it could take five years. It could take five years of physical development to really see if he can start. It, 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 it might take that long. But, you know, the, the, his, it's hard to find centers that can pass like the way he does. And he has pretty good post footwork and it's hard to find seven, three bodies. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, he's interesting and he's a project for sure. You definitely can't start day one anywhere in the NBA. So, um, he may not even be able to get minutes his first year because he's just so raw, but the passing's intriguing and the post plays intriguing. So, you know, it's, he's an intriguing guy. So I have him that 22 through 26 pick. It's a really interesting basketball player. Um, next man up on the breakdowns. Again, John Vide, Devin Williams, Brandon Williams. Those are all ESPN Top 100 guys. Didn't play in the game. Makes no sense to talk about them. So we're going to go ahead and talk about an interesting 6'9 guy that the UCLA has. Burke Bunickel. Man, that's a tough name. <laughs> Burke Bunickel. He's, he's really slow. Um, you know what I mean? He's, he's a slow mover. He has some skill of ability to getting to the rim and he seems like a pretty decent three point shooter. I mean, so far throughout the season, his shooting splits, which do matter for a guy who's six, nine is 27% field goal percentage, which is terrible and 20% from the three point line. Man, that's bad. He's played on only four games though. So it's really early in the season, but yeah, it's just, his slowness paired with the raw skill and the poor defense, I think, in my opinion right now, is just not an NBA talent. I don't even have him in the, oh, maybe he could make a summer league team range. If he, if he came out, I couldn't even see him making a summer league team. Uh, and I just don't really see much there at this moment in time. Hopefully we get to see him more, but at this moment in time, I'm not super intrigued. And a really interesting player who's having a unique start to the year is the last man up on this UCLA team is Sebastian Mack. So Sebastian Mack is a 6'2 guard. Um, he's having a pretty decent like points per game year. He's averaging 14.7 a game, seven, 4.7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 40% field goal percentage, 84% free throw percentage, and 27% for the 3-point line. Um you know, it's he has genuine flashes of shot creation, which is really unique. He 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 definitely shows some flashes of you know being able to create shots without anybody there. Sidestep mid range shots, tough mid range shots, mid range pull ups. Um, you know, some finishing at the rim, right? And it's interesting and it's intriguing. You know, he's an okay athlete. Right now, I don't see enough passing to be sold on point guard, and since he is six two. The idea of him being a two guard is just unrealistic with his lack of athletic gifts. So the passing side is going to have to be proven before I'm really able to stamp him as a draft pick. And, you know, the shooting splits are going to need to improve a little bit too as well. So right now I have him undrafted, uh, but he could definitely move his way into the second round with more proving of the passing and, you know, better shooting splits. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and kick it to the next game. The next game up we have is Florida versus Pitt. 
Now that was Riley Kugel and Carrie Carlton Carrington that we're really going to break down for you guys. So the first game we're going to go ahead and break down is Carlton Carrington. This is a really intriguing basketball player. He is such a, you know, he's six five point guard. Just to put things in perspective, he's a very smooth athlete. You know, athletically and build wise, he reminds me a lot of Malcolm Brogdon. Um, he's a very good. He's a good passer. You know, he's a he's a decent defender in the sense of on ball he's okay, but he's better off ball getting the passing lanes and being tough and trying to be in position to get steals. And he he can clog things up pretty well off ball. He's pretty smart. He shows his intelligence in those situations. He is the most unique thing about him is his ability to shot great everywhere. Um, three-point line and mid-range shot creation. He's taking really tough shots, fade, you know, fading to the right, pick, pull-up mid-range shots, you know, sidestep, step backs, you know, all those type of professional NBA scoring moves. He shows in the mid-range and the three-point line. Like it's extremely rare for point guards to shot great from the three-point line, and that's that's the type of thing that can lead to a star guard, right? Like that's really, really intriguing stuff. You know, the question mark really is finishing at the rim. He has such a thin thin frame that he can get moved with the physicality of a grown men off the the line and the angle to getting to the rim. Really easy game put in bad positions. I haven't seen him finish at the rim through contact at all. And that's a real issue that he has right now. Um, and, you know, I just... He gets pushed off things too too easily in the baseline and the pick and roll and it's just he needs to figure out how to attack the rim better because right now he's just not doing it and that's the weakness. But you know his three point shot creation, six fit five length, and the mid range shot creation and the shooting splits because this is really impressive. The shooting splits are nice. Right now he's played nine games. He's averaging fifteen a game, five rebounds, six assists. He's doing a four and seventy eight percent free throw percentage. That's really good efficiency for the tough shots that he's taking. He's not getting a bunch of open looks, right? So, you know, at Pitt, he's the guy, right? He's needed the shot great for them to win, right? So he's he's taking a lot of tough shots. And for him to shoot that efficiently off those tough shots and that NBA-level scoring shot creation is where his intrigue lies. So right now I have him 12 through 14 draft pick. I mean, honestly, if he can prove that he can finish at the rim... I wouldn't be afraid of him making him the number one point guard in this draft class above um, USC's Isaiah Oliver right now. Um, but it's just finishing at the rims the worry. It really is. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and move to the next guy from Florida. 6'5", Riley Krugel. Yeah, shooting splits last year, this year so far is 14 points per game, four, four rebounds, two assists, 43% field goal percentage and 36.8% for the three-point line. Really shooting really efficiently right now. And, you know, he definitely shows flashes of shot creation at each level, the mid-range and the three-point line. It's just his footwork looks very unrefined right now. And I'm hoping that he'll continue to show more tape of proving that he can shot great from those levels. You know, he he's a pretty solid defender though. He's a, he he gave Carrington issues. You know, he guarded him a lot and it was really impressive to watch him guard him like that. He has a nice wingspan. Um 
You know what I mean? I do need more tape, but he's an intriguing prospect and he can move up and down this draft board based on the more tape that we see of shot creation. Um, he had a poor game against Pitt. I think he had like five that game. So it was a really bad game for him. So right now I have him to the 22 through 26 range. And, but he's definitely somebody that we'll be watching and talking about later in the year. Uh, there, there will be many games talking about him because it's intriguing. He's he's an intriguing prospect, and I'm I'm definitely going to continue to watching that. All right. So the next game up is the ABA League Mega Basket. That's Nikola Topic, who is a hot topic, <laughs> and Nikola Drusic. So Nikola Topic is you know definitely somebody that we talked about a lot in this podcast. I've been pretty low on him, but I definitely would say in this last game he confirmed a few things for me. I would definitely say he's very good at finishing at the rim and getting to the rim. Um, I definitely feel like he can do that at the next level. His passing looked really good. He shows some flashes of a pull-up three-point shot and a pull-up mid-range shot. You know what I mean? And my worries has always been, I mean, the lack of shot creation other than extremely basic things. Uh, when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Um, and, you know, other than the pull-up mid-range shot and the pull-up three-point shot that we've seen, like, once or twice through three full games, uh, and out of the 6-6 point guard, you know, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I definitely feel like he is still a terrible defender. Oh, my goodness, is he terrible. It's really, really, really bad. He's really high-hipped. He stands up a lot. He gets beat off the really easily he gets beat back door off of cuts really easily he's he's a terrible defender um you know what i mean i think a lot of people are just looking at the stats and picking and choosing what stats they want to look at what topic because he is averaging 19 a game with seven assists and three rebounds through 10 games played off of 22 percent from the two-point line and his field goal percentage is 51 percent people have to understand that he's taking so many shots at that rim that's kind of skewing his field goal percentage and the three point percentage is 26%, right? So I'm he's his free throw percentage is 84. So I'm assuming by this draft grade right now that he's going to sneak up to 29, 28, 30% from the three point line. Um, by the way, I have him graded right now. I have him graded from the 14th through 18th pick. I do think that there's some intrigue here of because when you think about the NBA, it's about spacing. So his ability to get to the rim and pass is going to make be more valuable than, you know, I think I've given him credit for in previous podcasts. So thinking about him, um, 
in the flashes of the pull-up mid-range and pull-up three-point shot leads to some intrigue to the idea that one day he could be a starting point guard. Now, I don't think he'll ever average more than 18 again in the NBA. That's like best-case scenario. But, you know, I because of the lack of overall shot creation skill that he's shown at all, um, but, you know, I definitely could see him being an efficient point guard. That's a low-tier starting point guard in the NBA. Because um, the 6'6 length is, you know, can't teach it. So, um, And Nikola Drusic's the next guy in this this list. Uh, he definitely showed, you know, he's 6'7 he's six, he's six, uh, six, or 6'6. Six, six. He's 6'7. Um, and you definitely he definitely showed the ability to get to the rim even more elite than he has before, because um, he's always been somebody that can really get to that rim. It's really impressive. Um, he's so strong. He's so athletic. The crossover is still legitimate. Um, the three-point shot is where things become interesting in the sense that it's looking bad right now, the shooting splits in a general sense. So right now, his shooting splits are 2% field goal, field goal percentage, 26% for the three-point line. They're 10 games right now and 68% for the free throw line. Those shooting splits are not good. If you can't shoot the three, you know, no matter how good of an idea of you being a 3-and-D basketball player is, you can't ever be that because you can't shoot the three in the NBA. So Drusic's three-point shooting has really moved him down my personal draft board. After three, after two full games, I have him as a late second round grade, and I don't see him moving above that if that three-point shot doesn't improve. You know what I mean? It's needed. It's definitely needed. All right, so the next game on this list is somebody that's the first time we talked about this on this podcast, um, the G League Ignite team. It's intriguing, it's fun, and I'm really, really excited to talk about it. So we're going to go ahead and talk about the main man of the day, the main guy that people want to talk about, Ron Holland. Uh, you know, he's such an athletic guy. He has a really strong frame, too. You know, I feel like his legs are where the strength lies. He He's definitely got some really strong legs. And that athletic and strong frame makes him, with his good handle, he can get to the rim whenever he wants. And he can really put pressure on that rim in an extremely elite way. And I, if I did not mention, he's 6'8", you know what I mean? So, defensively, sometimes he can be lazy. Um... He can't. He has issues communicating well, but you know he has the potential of an All NBA level defender because of the strength and athletic gifts. And whenever he does in moments in time, and maybe a few seconds, and maybe a possession, whatever he does really lock in, you do see like wow, his potential could be so high defensively. It's just sometimes he's not locked in. He shows some flashes of pulling up in the mid range, and you know he saw has shown some flashes of pretty rare three point shot creation. Um, you know, something that makes me extremely angry though is his shot selection is pretty poor. Um, the deep three point shots need to go just because you're open doesn't matter when you're shooting it from the logo, especially because let's put this in perspective here. He's played 11 games this year. He shoots 47% field goal percentage, 25% for the three-point line, 63% for the free-throw line. Look, man, when you shoot 25% from the three-point line, I do not want to see you shooting it from the Steph Curry, Damian Lillard range. Because he's in the G League playing in the NBA. This isn't even college court where it's two feet in front of the NBA court. This is G League NBA court. And he's shooting it from Dame range, but you shoot twenty five percent from the three point line. Why are you taking those shots? That's what I mean by shot selection is really poor right now. Where he's 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 taking poor shots for 
his but his because his, his ability to shoot those shots in a regular sense has not good yet, right? So the shot selection is in, definitely needs coaching because it kind of still looks like he feels like he's playing in high school in the sense of the shot selection, and he hasn't really ele- elevated his mind yet shot selection-wise to be ready for the NBA because, look, you play on the Golden State Warriors, you play for Steve Kerr, you play for Greg Popovich, within five seconds of meeting in the rugby league, you're not shooting that ever again ever again until you can make it at a very high clip and 25 percent is not a high clip that's really bad um and also the mid post he caught it in the mid post and post area once it is the worst post footwork i have ever seen it was absolutely terrible he just, he finished and he scored because he's athletic. But dear goodness, it's the worst post for work I've ever seen out of an NBA draft prospect. Like middle school kids have better post footwork than Ron Holland, right? Like it was Kobe Bryant would if he was alive would have thrown his computer at a wall watching. That, that was just abysmal. Um, he never he there will never be a posting version of Ron Holland because it's just so so ridiculously. Uh, not good. Um, but that's beside the point. You know what I mean? And my comp for him is, I definitely feel really confident in this comp, is Jared Wallace. Now, Jared Wallace is a guy that played in the 2000s. He was drafted in 2001. He played like 10 years. Jared Wallace is six seven. If you turn on Jared Wallace's highlight tape, the first thing you'll see is him dunking on people in crazy ways. Jared Wallace could fly. And Jared Wallace was strong and it really allowed him to finish at the rim and get to the rim and be elite at the rim. And he had some shot creation in and every once in a while he looked good, but it was really inefficient most of the time. You know what I mean? And Jared Wallace is a one time all star, one all time one-time all-defense team, and a steals champion, which is all realistic things for Ron Holland to be. He never averaged more than 20 a game. He's peaking out around 19. Uh, but, you know, it took him a while for his shooting splits to be get a, get around. He's a career 30% three-point shooter and a career um, 70% three-point shooter. So it took him, like, f- he was drafted at the age of 19. 19, he's shooting, um, you know, uh, two... Uh, 25% from the three-point line, 0%. Like, he's basically taking zero threes. Like, it's really poor three-point shooting. You know, his free throw percentage was in the 50s when he came in the NBA. For, but when he became 25, he's kind of peaking out skill-wise. Then he gets around 73% from the free throw line. He starts shooting like 32, 37% from the three-point line. His three-point shot came along, and then he's averaging 19 a game. Right? And I think in the same sense as Jared Wallace... I think he can be a guy that's going to take a minute for his shooting splits to get there. He's not a guy that you're going to see year one, year two, be the guy in this draft class. Uh, but, pardon me. Oh, I thought I was about to sneeze. So sorry about that. But, you know, I definitely feel like he is definitely somebody that's going to take a few years to fully develop to get the efficiency side of things. But the the NBA spacing is going to make his ability to drive just like Jared Wallace's ability to drive and get to the rim more valuable. And Jared Wallace today would probably average 22, 23 because of the spacing in the league. Right. And I could do think Ron Holland will have a little better stats and be around that kind of level. Um, and right now I do have him not great as the number one pick level talent, but I have him graded as a three through five. NBA draft pick level talent. You can't teach his gifts, and he could definitely get to the rim whenever he wants to. Especially. 
All right, next man up is a guy that's coming off right off of injury, Matas Buzelis. This is a 6'10 guy who's been really high in mock drafts, top five pick in most mock drafts. You know, he he definitely has a really good handle. Um, he looks like a pretty solid passer. Defensively, he could definitely be beat really easy. Quick players give him a lot of issues. You know, he's not that great of an athlete. He's an above-average athlete. He shows some pull-up mid-range shots. He's a very intelligent cutter. Um, the point forward idea is where his entry comes from. You know what I mean? So far, the three-point shot is not looking as good as advertised, though. Um, it looks like he has a hitch in that three-point shot. He's definitely going to have to shoot better throughout the G League season to reach back up to the you know, borderline top five pick status that he used to be at but this is was the first game back from injury so you know it's take it with a grain of salt at this moment in time um you know what i mean right now i have him great as the eight through ten prospect i definitely still think the point forward idea for him as 610 is still really elite i still think in a general sense the conference bogner makes a lot of sense to me and um yeah matas was is a really intelligent 610 passing point forward that can be used in a lot of unique ways just like Franz Wagner's using Orlando. So that three-point shot is just going to need to come along a little bit more. All right, so we're going to go ahead and talk about the next guy up from that G League team, Izan Almanza, a really tough name. He's 6'7". He's their starting setter right now. Um, he has a really long wingspan. He moves extremely well. Um, you know, he defends the perimeter extremely well. Um, the, the tough thing for him is he, he's a tweener size-wise. Um, his 6'10", even though he has a long swing, wingspan, he does not strong enough and have doesn't look like he'll be able to put enough muscle on the frame to be a 6'10 centers. 6'10 centers are DeMontis Sabonis, Alperin Sangoon. Like, those, those guys are strong human beings. They are yoked beyond... They're like legs, shoulders, power, right? Like, you need... To be able to overcome the 6'10 height at the center position, you need to be ridiculously strong. And I don't see him being able to put on that kind of muscle into that frame. I don't see that frame being able to put on that kind of muscle. So he has to play power forward, but he doesn't have power forward skill. Um, you know, he has post skill. He has center skill. He can handle and get to the rim every once in a while. Uh, but the three-point shot is a ridiculous issue. Um, you know what I mean? And... I have him great in the early second because the three-point shot is just not there. The mid-range shot's not really there. So I I don't really he's he's a tweener and he's just yeah, he's 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 a project player that may never really work out in the NBA, but it's going to depend on how well can he develop his shooting. Okay. So um going to go ahead and talk about the next guy on this list. Man, they got so many players to talk about. So much fun. All right. So the next man up is Tyler Smith. Now, this is a guy that is intriguing. Um, you know, so far this year, he's averaging 15.6 points per game off a 50% field goal percentage and 41% for the three-point line and 71% from the free throw line. So Tyler Smith is 6'9", and he's really athletic, really smooth. You know what I mean? He can definitely um, hit that three-point shot. Dude look, looks like a really good three, standstill three-point shooter. He looks natural with the balls in, ball in his hand as well. It looks like somebody that can definitely get into the rim and finish. He shows some flashes of a mid-range fadeaway off of that handle. 
It's not like it's a post play that he's getting that mid range that fadeaway off of. Um, and you know what I mean. He he looks like a pretty good rebounder for his size and a pretty good screen screen and roll guy that can also pop at, to the three point line. He's a very versatile power forward. Um, and that three point shot, that forty forty one percent, makes him really really highly touted. You know what I mean. His his ability to be a six nine power forward that give you that length that you would like at that power forward position that can defend, be switchable, and guard multiple positions, be a good athlete. And, you know, in the pick and roll situations, he can roll to the basket. He can be a lob threat. He can just pop to the three-point line. He could be a good screener. He can rebound well for his size. And, you know, he can get to the rim and finish off the handle. And, you know, I mean, he that's an ideal off-ball power forward. And he's looking like a pretty good role player that shoots the poo out of the three-ball. And his handle leaves some intrigue, leaves some upside. So right now, I have him graded through 14th through 18th draft pick. Tyler Smith is... He's real. He's he's a guy that could definitely be a starter in the NBA. Um, so Tyler Smith, man, interesting role player. Um, so the yeah, the next guys I'll talk about is um, Therian Darlin, six six. Not much to talk about there. He's very not skilled enough for the NBA level right now. He has a pretty good wingspan, but his three point shot doesn't look great. He doesn't look like anything other than a three point shooting guy. But he's not ready for the NBA. And they have another guy named Baba Karsane. He's He got a DNP, did not play, so he's not even on the board. So we're going to go ahead and kick it to the last game. Yes, the last game. So last man up is Dylan Jones. Dylan Jones is from Weber State. This is the last game. So Dylan Jones is anywhere from that 12 to early second round draft pick on most people's boards. And 6'6", six, six, the first thing to talk about him is he's huge. Dylan Jones is a big football-looking human being. Dude, so strong, so big, just big-bodied, you know what I mean? And he's not very vertically gifted at all, and he's not very gifted quickness-wise. But at Weber State, just to get the shooting splits out of the way, he averages 20 a game right now, 10 rebounds, 2.7 assists. 48% 48% field goal percentage, and he's shooting 35% from the three-point line right now. Uh, and the he's a pretty decent passer for that small forward position. Uh, he's pretty okay at getting to the rim, but that, six, that wide frame allows him to get to the rim and finish. He has a pull-up mid-range shot. Um, you know, and he reminds me a lot of Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow was a 6'5", small forward who was extremely strong and had a long career as a ninth, a 10th guy off the bench as somebody that, okay, the ball is swinging. I can either shoot this three. It took a while for Justin Winslow for three-point shot to come around. I do think Dylan Jones' three-point shot is more around, but, you know, let's call it year six into the league, Justice Winslow. Year six into the league, Justin Winslow gets that that swing, swing pass. He's an off-ball player. He's not playing through the pick and roll. Now he has the ball in his hands, and he can do multiple things, right? He can either shoot that stand, still three-point shot, which Dylan Jones can do. He can either do that or go get to that rim, right? Because he can finish. He's got a good handle. He's got good size, strength, six size, six five body frame, right? Dylan Jones can do that. Or he can make a pass to somebody that's open. Maybe the guy in the corner is open, and I need to be able to make this good pass to the guy in the corner. Dylan Jones can make those good passes, right? You know what I mean? He, he's an ideal bench off-ball player. And, you know, he can guard 
the small forward position. He, Justin Winslow wasn't as tall as a normal small forward, but he was so strong that he made up for it. And that's what Dylan Jones can do at 6'6", but really strong. So he's a backup small forward that can have a decent six to eight year career as a ninth to 10th guy off the bench um, as an off ball player. I'm graded through 26 to 30, really late first round draft pick. Uh, really unique game. But yeah, that is it. That's the last guy that we got to break down. Uh, so yeah, it's a really intriguing week. Uh, so next week, we're basically going to go ahead and I'll give you guys a, uh, a intro of what next week's breakdowns are going to be. So we got Colorado versus Miami. We got uh, Wuga Popular, who's really intriguing in that game. Uh, he's he's definitely somebody that's really locked in the second round of most people mocks. Cody Williams, who's jumping off draft boards, who's like top 10 pick most people's draft boards. Tristan Da Silva, who's a late second in most, actually no, late first in most draft boards. Then we got Auburn versus Indiana, and we have a guy that we, the ITS of was really great the first time we watched him play in Aiden Holloway. And then in, in Indiana, we have Kyle Ware. He's definitely a really big time center. That's most people's second round draft picks. And we got Mackenzie Mbappo, who's a really highly rated five-star prospect. Really looking forward to watching. And the next game up we got next week is UConn versus UNC. So we got Stefan Castle, who is top five pick for most people. You know, his first game back in limited minutes. Uh, Donovan Klingen, who is most people in the a lock in the first round. Some people have him in the lottery. Alex Carban, who is like a borderline second round draft pick. And we got UNC, we got Elliot Cadeau, who was a five-star prospect coming out of ESPN at top 100 last year. And most people's mock drafts in between. Most people have him early second right now. And then we have Tijuan Saloon who is in most people's tie, guys' lottery. This is going to be a third time we watch him play. Really intriguing. We have him 12th or 14th through the big board. It's going to be really intriguing breakdown. And the last game that we got next week is Tennessee versus Purdue. You know, Purdue has Zach Eady, you know, college basketball player of the year, ridiculous seven foot four post player. And most people have him in the second round. And we have Dalton Necht, who is flying up draft boards. Is borderline lottery for some people right now. 6-6 shooting guard. A really intriguing breakdown. I'm really excited about next week. It's going to be a great week of breaking stuff down for you guys. And uh, yeah, this is something that I really enjoy doing. I love doing this. And I definitely can't wait to give you guys those breakdowns for next week. So yeah, I'm Jason Collins. And this is the Pick and Roll Podcast. Have a great week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.